Hello and welcome to the Potters Podcast. It's a different week this week, of course, because the international break's been going on. We've had some bad news, obviously, with Harry Suti. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the possible replacement that's going to come in. We're obviously then going to cover the players that have gone out on international breaks, obviously, as well about the Peterborough game not long after. But we're also going to have a bit of a talk the transfer window. There's a packed show. I also want to thank everybody who's put comments down and five-star reviews on iTunes. It means a hell of a lot to me, and it means a good thing for the podcast. Ange won't be bothered so much because it's Ange. We've got a packed show, so I hope you enjoy. So hello, Ange, on this bittersweet week. Yes, we'll certainly remember Remembrance Day for a couple of reasons, won't we? Mm, well, we'll go straight in with it. Obviously, Harry Suti is probably more likely going to be out for the rest of the season, and it seems to be, yet again, two seasons in a row, a critical player gets an injury at the worst possible time. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I don't think anybody didn't expect the, the news that's come out, because if it had been anything less than really serious, then the Australians and Stoke would have decided that they were going to tell people before. But I think he's flying back tomorrow, um, and the extent of the injury, we may never know how serious it is, because sometimes clubs don't want people to know. But he's obviously out for the season and possibly part of next season. And, and whilst we're bitterly disappointed and everybody who supports the football club is, there's a there's a bigger thing at issue here and that's the lad's career because this is a really serious injury. And yeah, they can be back to normal and as right as rain if it is if it is the ACL. Look at Virgil van Dijk. But it's, it's a big operation. It's a lot of recuperation. And we know how it's been with Tyrese Campbell, but from our perspective, it couldn't probably have come at a worse time. But you just wish him all the best, and we just have to get on there with him. I know it's a difficult situation because he's a young lad. He, he was rising high, you know, Premier League clubs were sniffing around him. And it's such a wounder for the season as well, because we're in a good position, even though we've, we've had sort of a good, bad couple of months, as we all know. But, you know, getting an injury like that, it could affect him seriously, you know, Van Dijk's come back fine, so we have to hope that Harry does as well. But he's such a key player, isn't he? It's, it could really turn the season, this. Well, you say that, Ian, and I, and I obviously am going to, to feel the same as every Stoke supporter. It's gutting. You're gutted for yourself as a supporter, you're gutted for him as a player. But it shows how fickle fans are that only three weeks ago, when he wasn't playing great, People were saying, I've snapped their hand off for £20 million now, it's gone to his head, all this has. So, we're just fickle, aren't we? Um, when he wasn't playing great a few weeks ago, people were saying, get rid of him. Now, all of a sudden, he's the best thing since sliced bread. I think we've got to meet midway. Um, he could have got injured at any time. He could have been out for a month. He's going to be out for the whole season. It's one of the areas of the team where we have got several people that can step in and do a role. Now, I'm not saying they can do it as well as him, and Stoke might have to change the shape and, and change the way they play. But I certainly don't think it, it's, it's as impactful as, say, losing a striker was last year. Yeah, it could be, but, you know, when that player's James Chester, James Chester, it does feel a bit of a loss, really, doesn't it? You know yeah, I mean? but it might be Danny Barth, it might be your mate. It, it could be every one of several players that will play in that position. You've got Fox coming back soon, which which might mean that they change the shape a little bit. They certainly won't be playing out as defence, as cultured as they have been in the past. There'll be a few hoop balls, I would think, going forward. But look, if, if the players have got anything about them, they'll want to get up for Harry Suter, and they'll want to prove that this injury to Harry Suter 
doesn't take the spine away from our football team and, and they, they've all got a point to prove now and somebody else has got a chance of coming in that team and making that shirt their own. But look, there's no doubting it's a loss for the football club. And if I'm now going to be really down, you know, glass virtually empty like a colander, there's still a couple more international matches to go. We've got Jacob Brown playing, we've got Allen playing, we've got Davies playing, we've got Thompson playing. There's nothing to say they aren't going to get injured. That's very negative. We don't want that at this time. We've already had one bit of bad news. <laughs> don't want yeah, any more. But it, it just brings you back to that question. Um, a lot of people are saying, well, who pays the compensation? Yeah, that'll all have to be sorted out if it's sorted out. But at the end of the day, there's a lad's livelihood here at stake and I just wish him all the best for a perfect recovery and get back and play well for us again. Yeah, I do. I wish him all the best. I hope he gets back as soon as possible and plays well for Stoke again. It's as simple as that. Right, so now we'll talk quickly about who, well, it's not a big topic, but we'll, what is your defensive line now, Harry Suter's injured? What would you go I with? I think he'll play Danny Bart. I think he'll play Danny Bart in that position. Um, and you'll have um, either Wilmot on one side with Ostergaard on the other and stick with your wing-backs. I think he will play Danny Bart. What do you think? I don't know, I've got a sneaky feeling when Morgan, when Fox is in, uh, fit again, he might slot in at the left centre-back, which he did at the start of the season. I actually think that's his best position, from what I've seen of him in the Stoke shirt. There could yeah, be a that, temptation. A, but it's a, it's a big ask for somebody at the moment who isn't who will probably need two or three games coming on um, and playing, say, 60, 70 minutes before he gets into that position. But yeah, that's, a, that's another, another way we can look at it, undoubtedly. Yeah, especially having a left footer at left centre back because I think he's the only left footer. I think naturally yeah, yeah, at that yeah. point. So if he plays well in that position, he could be a good weapon and a person that comes out of the heroic chair that we're going to talk about. Right. So now we'll talk about the international break. We've had a few players that have gone out and played. Um, obviously, bad news of Harry Suter, but Jacob Brown come on. The the lad from Barnsley comes good for Scotland. Yeah, he came on for the last seven or eight minutes, and he's got a good chance of playing again this week in a match that's really important for, for Scotland because I think it depends on how they do as to whether the playoff game is at home or away so it's um, it's, it's great for him I mean we said before um, we, we spoke about the internationals last time when we were speaking about it we said it was a brilliant experience for him I don't know I think many Stokies will have seen um, the interview he did and how proud he is uh, and it's just great for him. If ever there was a situation where hard work has paid off, um, to me, he's just the, the new Johnny Waters. And when I, I say the new, I mean he's the new type of player that we've got that just epitomises the hard work for the shirt, trying to get better every time. And I wish him every success. And then, of course, you look at Jordan Thompson. He's he. I think he, he didn't feature in the first Irish match because he was carrying a bit of an injury. I don't know whether he'll feature in the next. That, secretly hoping he doesn't and then we've got uh, Davies who was on the bench and Joe Allen who played for Wales last night yeah there's been a, like a few things Jacob Brown's the most deserved one of the lot to be honest um, played really well recently and deservedly got his call for Scotland you know, he works hard. He's a nice lad as well, and he's really humble, which goes a long way in any kind of life, really, when you're humble. And, you know, he came on, he didn't have a lot of time. I'm hoping he gets a start just to see if he could chip a goal away and become a bit of a Scottish hero. You know, you score one yeah. goal for Scotland, you're a legend. That's right. And 
For me, Jordan Thompson, I, I still don't think... I, to be honest, I don't know who the new Northern Ireland manager is, to be honest. <laughs> I couldn't name him. He's, he's on the verge, isn't he, for me, J, uh, Jordan Thompson. He's, he's getting break in sooner or later because he's got on the Stoke side regular now. So it is going to be just a matter of time, isn't it, for Jordan Thompson? Yes, def- definitely. He's the sort of player we need at the moment as well. You know, somebody that can, can break things up a little bit and may need more than ever now. But it's going to be an interesting few weeks. And the nicest thing about this coming week's fixture is that we're at home and everybody can really get behind the lads and... Um, you know, try and get them over the disappointment because I don't know. Did you watch the Australia game? I, I was actually watching it when Harry got the injury. It was quite clear that yeah, it was obvious that it was a bad injury because it was a non-impact injury and his leg just folded up. Um, but what was really noticeable was that he knocked the stuffing out of the Australians completely. They weren't the same team once he went off. So he's obviously become a big character in that group. So you would have to say he's a big character in, in the current group. And I noticed that some of our current players had, as you would expect, messaged to say how gutted they were, Tyrese Campbell being one. Uh, but this group is, is pretty close, and I'm sure they'll all want to get as into the playoffs for Harry as much as anything. Because, as, as you said, there were clubs sniffing around him, and there may have been an offer in January that might have been too too much for Stoke to turn down but he's with us for the foreseeable future now and let's hope that we can get in the playoffs and get up so Harry Suter can accept his chance in the Premier League with Stoke City Yeah second I think it's, it's it's great that we're starting to get a few internationals we're bringing them through as academy as well which is doing well we've bought a few good ones as well yeah it's, it's great to see it's, so we've got a few games coming up now with the international break before we obviously play Peterborough and we're going to have to talk about the subject now because it's even more is the transfer window, but first we'll go into the talk at the moment that John Suter, Harry's brother, could be his replacement in January. Yeah, I saw that, and I honestly have no inside information. Um, I'm sure Stoke have been looking, and you would like to think that if they were looking at him, then he's going to pick Stoke because his brother's here, and his brother will have said what a good club he's at, and I know his mum and dad, one of them goes to watch his brother and one goes to watch Harry each match so they know they know how good the club is and I would think if, if there is a if Stoke are after him then I'd like to think that he would pick Stoke but then if you've got your brother playing you maybe don't want to be in your brother's shadow it just depends on the sort of lad you are ultimately you'll go with the best offer for him and I, I, I don't know I've never seen him play so I can't say anything about his ability but let's hope if, if he's as good as Harry he comes to Stoke yeah, to be fair, I do know a little bit about him. When, when he Before he joined Hearts, I can't remember where he played. I think it was Dundee United, I think. Um, Stoke were sniffing around him then. Um, and that's apparently how they noticed Harry and, and signed him from the academy. Uh, he's a decent defender. He's, he's got a few caps for Scotland. And he's, he's probably ready now for that move to the English game. He's been in Scotland a bit too long, for my opinion, if, if he really wants to improve as a player. I think Stoke's a good place for him. Because at the moment, you know, we're desperate for defenders because, you know, Chester's contract's up at the end of the season, Bat's contract's up. There's a lot of players who are going to be out of contract at the end of this season. Yeah. So, you know, he'll think, sit there and think, well, if I can get ahead of Chester, I can get ahead of Bat. I mean, it won't be hard to get ahead of Chester, but get ahead of Bat and, you know, I could replace him next season. It's a good time joining, I think. For, for fringe players, it's a good, good time joining January to get used to things before the next season starts. Um, 
he's been showing good promise. He's been getting good ratings for Hearts, and I've actually watched him play live a few years ago when I went for a stag do up Scotland. We had decided to go watch Hearts against Aberdeen. Played all right then, so this could be a good signing. But another thing we're going to have to really talk about with is the amount of players that contracts are up next season. What's going to happen here? Well, it depends how many of those players want to stay on what wages. Also, what division Stoke are in, what the management thinks of uh, of the possibility of keeping these players. There's so many unknowns, isn't there? Um, I mean, if, if Stoke are going to get in the playoffs and, and let's say the best thing happens and they go up, then you look at those players whose contracts are up at the moment, do you think they're suitable to stay in the Premier League? Alternatively... Do you think they're good enough for the championship? Well, I mean, we'll go through them. I think Adam Davis's contract's up at the end of the season. Morgan Fox, uh, Danny Bat, James Chester. I think even Tommy Smith's contract's up at the end of the season as well. Jordan Thompson. I think Joe Allen's is up as well. Verantich's contract is up as well, isn't it? I think Verantich's got to sign one deal. I think Nick Powell's is up at the end of that. I think Jacob Brown's contract's up, I think, because he only signed a three-year deal. Or he's might have one year left. Benny Kofobi's contract's up. There's a lot of players. Tom, in- Tom Ince's contract's up at the end of the season. There's a lot of players that have got to be sorted out here. And going into January, if Scottish clubs come in or foreign clubs come in, they could snap him up in January. Well, you ha- you have a look at those those players you've mentioned. Who's going to be on big money? Well, Tom Ince is on big money, you would think. Joe Allen's on big money. I think they'll both go. Uh, Morgan Fox, been very injury-prone. Would you keep him? Probably not because of the injuries. It depends on for all these players on what replacement you can get and what price. Because Stoke are obviously now not budgeting for the likes of the wages that Tom Ince was on and Joe Allen are on. Adam Davies, I think, will want to go anyway because I, I don't think he'll want to play second fiddle. And why would he? He's a Welsh international goalkeeper. So I think you can say that Adam Davies is going anyway and that's why they got the third goalkeeper in ready I think Adam Davis will be gone and if somebody came in with a good price for him in the January transfer window I think Stoke would probably take it I really do um, for, for the reasons that his contract's going to be up Tom Ince is just going to be gone at the end of the season because nobody came for him in the summer transfer did they so I can't see anybody coming for him in January though you never know if they do and it's on loan then it gets the wages off the books hopefully because He'll want to play football too. Chester, I don't think Stoke will sign Chester again. Who else did you mention? Danny Bart. I would give Danny Bart another 12 months as a squad player um, because I think he's Mr. Reliable when you need him to come in. And, and apart from that, then I think any anybody who's up for re-signing, I think Jacob Brown will stay at Stoke. For the reason being that Jacob Brown has come on incredibly thanks to working with Michael O'Neill. And I think he's quite a loyal lad. I think he's quite happy at Stoke. And I think he'll stay at Stoke. What are your thoughts? Um, I'd get rid of a lot of them, except Jacob Brown, Nick Powell and Jordan Thompson, to be honest. Well, I think Nick Powell, I think we do have that extra 12 months on his contract. And Jordan Thompson, again, I think he'll like to stay here. So that's fine by me. And the rest of them I'd let go, because if we want to go anywhere near promotion, we're going to have to start spending again. I think next season, the FFP comes off us, because we've done the three years or four years. I know it's four years now because of COVID. So we've hopefully got past that, and hopefully we can start spending. It's a big. It's going to be a big summer next, yeah. uh, next season. January, we'll talk quickly about that. What do you think we need to bring in? 
say a central defender because I don't think we need to, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did. We definitely need another forward. I'd like to know at this stage, think that he might be looking again at Vilap if he ever was looking at him because he's clearly fallen behind this Cole Palmer in, in the betting at Man City. And I think we do need another striker. There's all sorts of talk about Seema going back to Bright Brighton. I don't think that will happen. But I don't think he's particularly happy at the moment. Or maybe he's just been very unlucky. Because anybody comes to Stoke at the moment, something happens to them. I, I saw I saw Martin Smith of Oatcake fame this morning. And he said if we signed the best player in the world, they would probably fall over and do some serious damage as they were getting to the training ground. And that's the way it seems as a as a Stoke fan at the moment. Whereby, realistically, we probably don't have too many more injuries than other clubs. But... Um, I think they'll go for I think they'll go for a striker, and I the, the thing for me is a central defensive midfielder, which he he seems to say he doesn't want, but I'm not sure he's saying that because he can't get one because that's my concern. However well Sawyer's plays going forward, however Joe Allen plays, I don't think we've got somebody in the John Obi Mikel mode that can just do this small hard grafting that breaks up the opposite attacks. What do you think? I think I think it depends on now to the end of the season how well Jordan Thompson plays. Yeah. I still okay. I still would like a, an oldie midfielder, but to be brutally honest, I'd prefer him go back to the system of two in the flat midfield with yeah. a cam. Because it worked yeah. at the start of the season. We were getting good results. We beat Swansea 3-0. We Absolutely. were going through a nice little run. Nick Power was chipping in with the goals. And fair enough, Brown and Fletcher weren't scoring, but they were linking well with Powell. Now, I know we're missing Powell for, I think, a month still, aren't we, or something like that. So we're having to drag his heels at the moment and just grab points whichever way we can. But when January comes around, I mean, Seamy, I don't really know what's going on with Seamy because it seemed like a little bit of a desperate last-minute signing. And to be honest, I, don't, I think he understands that he's not a striker. And because we're not playing with wingers... He's a bit of a nonsense signing, similar to last yeah. season when we brought in Rabbi Matondo and, and Jack Clark, where we loaned them in and, and then we realised we couldn't play him at wing-back, so we were changing his system and it went all over the place and we started losing games. For me, I think a defender has to come in because I don't I don't trust James Chester enough to be putting him back in the team. I, I still think we need a little bit of bit more younger bite for Danny Batts because I think we all know Danny Batts can have good games but we also know he can have a lot of bad games as well he's very inconsistent in that form because he is just a defender you ask him to do anything other than defending he does crumble quick if anybody runs at him he falls apart Danny Batts so yeah. So for me someone like a suitor coming in could be a good player maybe sitting on the bench till he gets used to the place and then slowly introduce him as the best way to go Um I do think a strike will come in. I think Delap would be a good shout, but is he ready? We don't know. But Seymour, for me, Seymour would have to go for another striker to come in. I, I don't know about that, but, um, you know, uh, Michael O'Neill sees sees what he can do, and I think Michael O'Neill will, will keep him. I don't think there's any danger that he'll be leaving, so we'll see. But um, the other two people we didn't talk about when we are talking about the internationals were the two keepers, which is obviously Bursic and and little Simkin um, so let's hope nothing happens to them because if I can just take you back to another <laughs> black cloud internationals Jack Butland breaks ankle playing for England never ever was the same player after no he wasn't no and, uh, we know that now because he sat on the bench every week for Crystal Palace um, yeah. 
I hope, I hope as well. I mean, Basic is a young, good goalkeeper. We know he's still a bit young yet. He didn't have the same impact that Jack did um, when he came in very young, where he, he looked amazing, to be honest, Jack. And to be honest, if it wasn't for the injury, he'd be England's number one. There's no question. He wouldn't have been Jordan Pickford. So it has been, it's a major case of unfortunate timing for Jack Butland. But, you know, Joe Basic, I, I feel, in my opinion, I've got it in my bones, I think he is going to be England's next number one. He's class. The, the next two number ones, Ian, were both come from North Staffordshire because Aaron Ramsdale will take over from Jordan Pickford very soon, particularly now he's at the Arsenal. That's something else that makes me laugh. People were, were saying oh, what a bad signing it was. Now everybody's saying he's the best thing since sliced bread. But uh, another local lad who'll play for England between the sticks, which is great. Yeah, but why wasn't he at Stoke? Because his dad's a West Brom fan and he wanted him to go to West Brom, then he went on to Bolton and, and he, he never came to Stoke. Oh... Disappointing. Well, I'm not a big fan of him then, if he's a West Brom fan. <laughs> right, so we, we've been hit by some more major news this week and it's having a big impact at the football club and that is that a lot of people have been say, praying and saying thank the Lord and all that lot, so I thought I'd ask your opinion. Tony Scholes is leaving. Yes. What do you want my opinion on? Whether he's leaving, if it's a good, if it's a bad, if it's indifferent, what do you want me to say? Go through all them, um, one by one. Right. Well, firstly, you're correct. Tony Scholes is leaving. I think he's leaving the middle of January. I'm not surprised he's leaving. I am aware that he was headhunted by the Premier League to take a job. And in previous years, I know uh, Liverpool wanted him as the head of finance. So there's two things you can say there, isn't there? He's good at finance, he's good at his job, which as Stoke fans we probably know because balance the books pretty well, particularly in the rocky road that's been FFP in the last few months, 12 months, and I don't want to count the chickens yet, but when you look at where Derby are and where we could have been, then let's hope he's done as good a job as it seems to be. In terms of his tenure of 17, 17 years at the football club, they can't all have been bad, Ian, because we had 10 great years in the Premier League. And whilst people have moaned at him over the years, and I'm no different than anybody else, I'm a Stoke fan, some of the things he did have been really good for the club. The City 7 scheme, where every kid got a shirt, I think has been fantastic to bring down the age range of supporters. Because when Tony came in, it was quite an ageing fan base. So we've got a lot of young people now... That, along with the Premier League years, which helped too, where kids were wearing Man United shirts, etc., through the city, and now are mostly wearing Stoke shirts, and are proud to wear Stoke shirts. He um, he got rid of, of certain cards for away matches. The most important thing, in my opinion, is that we have had consistent pricing for a long time of season tickets, and you tell that to other clubs, and they can't believe that our prices haven't gone up. So from that perspective, I think he's done a fantastic job. If you look at the other perspective of, of some of the horrendous transfers that the football club have had, then it's whether you sit on the side of the fence that he's responsible or he isn't responsible. And I believe that the managers of Stoke City Football Club are given carte blanche to sign the players they want. Sometimes I think the ownership and the CEO have spent way too much money on those players who haven't come good, but it's easy to say with hindsight. 
So I think there's been some really good things he's done, as I've said, and I think there's been some things that he's overseen which haven't been good. And if it was in a normal industry, which football isn't, given the last four or five years, I don't think he would be in the position he's in now if it was just a normal industry. But the owners of Stoke City Football Club are incredibly good business people. They clearly like him. They clearly think he's done a good job. And they pay the bills. He'll be a hard act to follow in many ways for the club. He's always tried to keep control of everything that happened at the football club. The owners have, have let him and other people that work for the club run the club. It'll be interesting to see now whether they go and get another chief executive officer, whether they appoint from within, or whether they go a completely different route, like a chief operating officer. But it's going to be a very important decision for the football club going forward, and one that I hope to get right. There's been Torbin bad, Tony Skulls. He has done a lot of bad things, don't get me wrong. Because I have my personal opinion that, that, fair enough, the manager has his pick, but I think he has the pick of what Tony says he can have. Well, the manager had first team pick and all that lot. But for me, he is a big reason why we fell from the Premier League. And it's all there in black and white. It's not just Mark Hughes. Well, it, it can be Mark Hughes, but he's the man who kept him in charge for those two years too long. You know, fair enough, he's managed to balance the book recently, but he's managed to balance the book by completely changing the outlay of the team we, we are now looking like a steady championship club not a team that looks like it's ready to get promoted and I feel that we have sort of scraped and saved to become an average championship side that again comes down to him we, we shouldn't have gone down and spent the stupid amounts of money that we did and he, and he had to say yes or no with these players you know he, at the end of the day I think it was their own he was a part of the stubborn fault of not bringing a director of football in people who knew more about what players are like and he has done good things in the past like you said about the under sevens and the shirt giveaways and all and, and all that but it's one of them where I'm not I think it is time for part for pastures new for Tony to be honest I think we need a fresh look at Stoke and moving Tony Skulls on is that way of doing it in my opinion I think you're right. I think that there's no doubt in my mind that for the past few years it's gone a bit stale. And I don't think a new challenge will harm him or the club. So, yeah, I would agree with you that he's done some things right and some things wrong. But then you can say that about anybody in any job. I mean, I'm sure that some of the things you've done uh, have probably cost your employer money. Oh, oh, yeah, of course it has. Of <laughs> <laughs> course it has, I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> But, you know, when it's like... What were they? Uh, oh, I can't tell you. But the, it's just mistakes, really. But, the, yeah. you, you know, we all do it. But the, the, the thing is with it is that, you know, we need a fresh start. And the thing is, though, I'm a little bit worried. I've, 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 I'll be brutally honest, I have been a bit worried since John's come in. We seem to have had a real downwards turn since he's sort of taken the reins from his dad. And are you worried about the future now? I'm not worried because I only worry about things I've got control over. I'm concerned that John is inexperienced and I do think that that might not work well in Stokes' favour. You can't expect Peter at the age he is to, to be as involved as he was. He probably wants to enjoy himself a little bit more than he's done in the past. He's worked hard enough for it. But I am concerned, yes, and as so long as somebody like Michael O'Neill is there, I don't think it will be too much of a trouble, and I think that John can learn from people like that. But as I say, 
the next appointment's going to be really important because if you get somebody in working alongside John, and one would have to assume that John's going to have more involvement in footballing matters with the new person, then it very much depends on how that new person wants to take the club forward. He may look at the, the whole system and, and think, oh, I don't like the way this is run. Let's do it this way, that way, or the other way. And there could be massive change. And change isn't always bad. I mean, you know, sometimes change is really good and a fresh pair of eyes coming into the football club might make a massive difference. But yeah, I, I am concerned, as, as anybody would be, because over the years we've had stable ownership. It may not have always gone well, but we've had stable ownership. And um, we've had the gravitas of Peter, who is still so sadly missed in the Premier League. You talk to Premier League chairman and they all miss Peter for his uh, sage advice and his normality. Um, and John's got a long, a long way to go to learn that. But then Peter had to learn too, so we just have to hope. Yeah, I agree. You know, we've got to hope that the fresh pair of eyes could change things. But the re the thing that I've always wanted since Tony Scholes left, I wanted the coach family sort of just to step back away from it and bring in basically a CEO that with maybe a foreign bloke, somebody from abroad who's who's done this, made a success at a club where you've taken them to ear to ear, somebody that knows business of football. Because for me, the biggest worry is that. Upstairs at Stoke seems to be a lack of football knowledge, in my opinion, which has always been my worry. And Tony was the same. He, he lacked knowledge in football. If you needed a way to pay a bill or you, you're skint and you need bail out, you ask Tony for stuff like that. But ask Tony who's a good striker, it's going to be a waste of time, isn't it? Yeah. I want, for me, the successful models that I've seen around like Leicester and... Chelsea and, and many other clubs, Brighton as well, who are doing incredibly well at the moment. West Ham, the way they're running things, they sort of the owners there sort of step back and give money when needed, and leave people who know football and know how to run clubs in those roles. I'd rather somebody do that whilst John's learning, so that we're safe. I don't want John coming and making loads of mistakes, and then we drop to no. League One, because yeah. we, that's the that's the thing I'm scared of. So for me, them stepping back and just looking after the financial matters, and if if there's an extra five million we need to spend on a on a striker to improve this, then you ask Tony and he comes in, not Tony, John, and he comes in and says, yeah, that's fine. But for me, we need a CEO, a fresh CEO, somebody who's done a very good job somewhere else, who doesn't mind coming to Stoke and giving it a go, and bring football people in who know how to run a football club. That's what I want to see. That's what I've been desperate for because ever since the mistakes of Mark Hughes and then bringing Paul Lambert in, that for me is a perfect example of people upstairs that don't know what they're doing. The way they spent money when we first come down is a complete show of people who don't know what they're doing. The truth is that we did we did overspend in the first season. We spent more than anyone else ever has done in one season in the yeah. championship. And it was all a waste of money. Not a single player out of that summer signings is still at the club, which shows how badly it was done. So for me, a complete fresh look needs to happen at Stoke. A new scouting network, a new CEO from maybe abroad who can target good players like Simon and get him before he's worth a lot of money. That's what we need to do. People who can spot the next Mares or the next Van Dyke. People who can go out and get a 19-year-old that can really come in and make a big impact at the club and then we can sell him for 40, 50 million. That's the, the target that Stoke need to go for. 
And I feel that if we brought a COO in, that thing that you've said, they won't have enough power and it'll it'll cause it to stagnate. In Maybe, my opinion. but when you when you look back, I mean, you've just talked about bringing young people in. One thing we haven't mentioned, which I think is very important, is the amount of work that's been done on the academy in the last few years, which is now bearing fruit. And my understanding is that we've got some even better players in the under-18 age group. So recruitment's obviously improved. And um, I think Michael O'Neill's brought in some people that are making a difference on the recruitment side, uh, going more down the Brentford model of, of looking at different dynamics and seeing if people uh, fit different criteria. So um, whilst I accept what you're saying, I think slowly Stoke have begun to turn things around, and they have to. If they're going to compete, they have to produce better local players, which is something the Coates family, Peter in particular, has wanted for years. Let's, let's not... Uh, beat around the bush. One or two players that got to play in the first team a few years ago got to play purely because Stoke were trying to make certain that Peter didn't get fed up with the academy and think, oh, this is a waste of time. There were one or two players that played in the first team that came to the academy that perhaps weren't ready at the time. But look, the academy's working well now and, and we're taking not only just local people, but people that other clubs. Tyrese Campbell's an example. Players that didn't quite make it at another club. We're giving a chance and trying to make them a, a finished article here. So there's there's lots of, to be positive about. Yeah, there is. There's, I mean, the academy is bearing fruit. I know it's players that we signed. You know, players like Suter and Campbell were players we bought from other football clubs. But we've got Taylor coming through, who's just one player of the month in League Two. Um, we've got Goodwill. We've got Bersic, who's, who's born through, through the Youth Academy. So there is players coming through. It's just can we bleed them into the first team, and that's all that we can ask for at this point. Yeah. We've we've got a great academy at the moment, which has been highly spent on. It's been done well. Yeah, we just need that more improved. But what we need now to go with that good recruitment of youth players is a better recruitment of first team players. Because even this year, I've not been impressed by a hell of a lot of the new signings, in my opinion. You know, yeah. they they Surridge looks like he couldn't hit a barn door with a machine gun. You look at. Um, Wilmot is a bit sporadic a bit all over the place but there is a player there and I can see a player in all of them but they're not ready for what we need yet we need to get promoted and these players are a long way from it at the moment and that's what I want I want people to come in higher up that know how to do modern transfers because the, the thing is for me it's not just about bringing new people in it's modernising the football club because we're still stuck in my opinion in the mid, in the mid noughties and that's what yeah. it's looked like for a long time for me that we're stuck in the past, especially with how much we're spending on players as well. It's like even when we were Premier League, you know, I remember everyone going, I can't believe it, we spent £18.5 million on, on a player. That's nothing nowadays. It was nothing yeah. when, we, when we bought in Bewley. I'm sorry, but that's nothing in the modern yeah. era of football. You know, nowadays, if we get back up to the Premier League, £40 million gets you an average player. Simple yeah. as that. Unless you spend £100 million on a top player, you're not going to get them. No, and and that's the thing we need to modernise and so we don't have to spend that kind of money but with the way we're signing players it's not going to so for yeah. me a fresh look and, and new people coming in for me we need we need we need we need foreign ownership not ownership but foreign people coming in who know how to run football clubs and have got a track history of spotting good players and bringing them to clubs and, and watching them thrive and make money that's what we need Leicester okay. are doing it now Leicester are buying players for like Siunchu now, probably one of the best defenders in the Premier League. They got him for, I think, £4.5 million. 
he's now probably worth 50 to 60 million pound. That's because they constantly, well, they've been doing it for years through clever recruitment and analytic work. Well, Brentford have done the, are, are the best models for that. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's where we need to go. It needs to be modernised instead of going, Michael, who do you want? Um, that lad. Okay. <laughs> you know, it needs to be more stats based because you've yeah. got to remember Gary Rowett did that, didn't he? Benny Cafobi, oh, he'll score loads of goals for us. He was completely wrong. And he, Who do you want? Dwight Gale or Benny Cafobi? I'll have Benny Cafobi. Yeah, thanks for that. Because he'll be powerful up front. No, he isn't. He's probably the softest forward I've ever seen <laughs> for the size of him. And that's why it fell apart because the signings weren't, weren't right. And when you're spending a lot of money, you've got to get it right. And that, that's the big thing. thing that I will say, and, and that's look, Mark Cartwright had his faults like everybody else. But I felt for Mark Cartwright because he had Dwight Gale there ready to sign on the dotted line. And Stoke being Stoke, the owners said to Gary Rowett, Who do you want? It's your final decision. And he said Benny Cafobi would be the much better player. So. Fifty-eight million pound later, Tom Ince later, we can just carry on, can't we? What a nightmare! Yeah, it is. It is. But if there was more analytics and more statistic base going into them transfers, somebody could have explained to Gary why Gale would have been a better signing than Benny Cafobi. But the problem is, when you trust a manager, they're going to make mistakes. You know, Gary Rowett's yeah. never had money in his past. He's never been able to go out. He he managed Birmingham, who were financially scrapped because their owner was basically going to get arrested if he moved anywhere yeah. apart from China. You know, you looked at Doc Burton, you know, a club that's come out of the mire, really, a club that has been in non-league for years. He had no money to spend. He'd never spent money before. And you've just given a manager that's never spent money before a hundred-odd million. <laughs> it, it, it sometimes doesn't work, does it? It's as simple as that. No. But that's what I mean. If they had people upstairs that could help him and go, no, you, I know what you're after. You're after a person who's good at knocking on the ball and supporting people in. That yeah. isn't Benny Kafobi. We've seen his stats, we've seen how he plays. And they could have told him that. But, yeah. but because we've got nobody up there, we're trusting a manager to know what he wants. And they don't really. They know as much as we do. We watch football. I watch Millwall probably as much as Gary does. Or we watch Tottenham as much as, as Gary does. But he, he still doesn't. But he puts all the pressure on the managers. And, and then as soon as it goes wrong, Tony's going, well, the manager gets whatever he wants. It doesn't help the situation because then everyone turns on the manager and puts all the pressure under him. So there's got to be a new system, a more modern system that helps the managers. True. Right, so now we'll move on after after that. A bit of a long-winded bit, that was. We'll go into the women. Yes, well, it's mixed bag for the women today. Our first team played Doncaster Bells, who probably are one of the oldest surviving ladies football clubs and were very good in their day. And probably still are very good, but not quite as good as our first team, because our first team won 5-3. Yes. Knight got a hat-trick, there was an og, who doesn't love an og, and uh, Hudson scored the other goal, okay? Yeah. Now, that's the good news. Oh, no. The reserves played Wolverhampton in the Reserves Cup, and sadly lost 3-0. Oh, well, it's a mixed bag. At least the first team are winning again, which is a big improvement. Because, yeah. yeah. let's be honest, they haven't been playing well at all recently. Um, but to get a good result, that score five goals as well, something might be clicking. I know we still yeah. need to have a manager at this time. Let's just hope things turn around for the women, because it, it needs to sooner or later, let's be brutally honest. It's got to. <laughs> um, it has. And, you know, that, that might be a change when Tony goes. Somebody might put a bit more effort into the women's team, which is what needs to happen, in my opinion. 
Well, um, I mean, you're asking the wrong person here, aren't you? Because I've always, I've always been a champion of women's sport, and I do. You know, it's not just football. Women, to be any good in any form of sport, women have to work several degrees times harder than than men to get noticed. And the hours that these girls put in and the dedication they have deserves a little bit more than they get it. And that's not just at Stoke level; that's at every level. So good luck, ladies. And yeah, I hope what you say is correct. How nice if the COO CEO was a woman this time. That might change things. Yeah, it would. Yeah, you'd be, be welcomed as well. I think the entire football league would be impressed as well. It's, yeah. You never know. Could could be somebody like that. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. If they make modern changes and turn the club around a bit, I'm all for it. I don't care who it is. So, what do we think about Peterborough? I, I hope that they're not as posh as, um, as they normally are when they leave the stadium. Uh, taking away that horrible pun, I think... Everybody will be up for the game, including the fans. We're, we come on the back of two stunning 1-0 away wins, and I think we'll be far too strong for Peterborough, and we'll beat them 2-0. I agree, yeah. I think they're a team that I don't know a lot about. I've got to be brutally honest. They've been in the dundrums of League One for, I think, three, four seasons now since the last relegation. They're not playing well. They're probably going to go straight back down again, in my opinion. And I don't know why they're called the posh, because if anyone's been Peterborough, it's not very posh at all, I've got to be honest. <laughs> Um, really not posh. I think I think it's a step up from Luton, to be honest. He's um, stopping over any time soon. Really, could he? <laughs> but that's very rude, really. It couldn't be a step down from Luton. Well, it could be. It could be Vale Park. Let's be honest. But yes, don't the, let's go about them, eh? Well, we could talk about them if you want. They're on literal fire. <laughs> if you want to talk about them, but I don't really want to, to be honest. I don't like it when they're winning every week. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a three 0 win. I'm going to be positive. I think there's going to be a good result against Peterborough. We need it, especially after Harry Suter. It'll just bring everybody back up, get everybody back on side. I think the crowd will be well up for it as well. Anybody who thinks they're going to turn up, they won't. It's going to be a, a poor away showing again. And, well, if they do turn up, I'll be very shocked because I think they know themselves that they're going down from what I read the other day when I looked at their forums. I think I'm comfortable with a good result here. I am. I, I think a good 3-0 win will do for me. Okay, 3-0, 2-0. Would you like me to tell you know why Peterborough called the posh? Right, go on. It came from a, a manager of a local town called Fletton United who used the London Road ground before and he put an advert in saying he was looking for posh players for a posh team to compete in the Northamptonshire League. That later became the United Counties League and Fletton were known as the Brickies before so they obviously went up market and... Um, they then became the posh. Peterborough and Flatten folded in 32 and then the club was formed two years later. So there you go. Oh, so that's why they're called the posh. Nothing to do with yeah. posh, then, isn't it? And I think they shout <laughs> up the posh now, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Among these other things. <laughs> they're not. Yeah, <laughs> when, I've been Peterborough. We uh, compared to the Luton shouting, if you stick your diamond formation up your posh. Yeah. Yeah, we could say that, yeah, if Gary, if Nathan Jones ever took over there, because then it'd be another Nathan Jones derby whenever we play Peterborough, but that's going away from it. I wonder if, we, I wonder if Gary Rowett's got, is that the called the Gary Rowett derby? Well, no, ours is the A50 is the Gary Rowett derby, isn't it? I was about to say, it's a bit, a bit, a bit Gary's gutted, but he's at home going, how come I haven't got, why, why aren't I in the derby? Why is Nathan, he was crap. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, you have a good week. Um, let's hope for no more international injuries for anybody from Stoke. And thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thanks for that, Ange.
So, thanks for listening. That's another one done. If you want to get more involved with us at the Potters Podcast, make sure you join us on Twitter. Make sure you join us on Facebook and obviously Instagram. If you're on iTunes, please do us a great honour and give us a five-star review. It means a hell of a lot to us. Two people have already done it this week and I'm very appreciative of it. So, thanks for listening. Ta-ra. All the best.